So welcome back, everyone, to The False Finish with Ace Alexander and Mark the Smart Mark. We're back here live, actually broadcasting immediately following Raw tonight. Um, as of uh, 4-16-2015, we just finished up with Raw. It was a pretty good Raw. There were some amusing parts. We'll do some um, additional, um, you know... A rundown of that, I guess, with the raw rundown. But um, first, I wanted to just remind everyone what this show is about. Did you say four sixteen? I think you meant four six. Oh, I'm sorry, Mark. Thank you. Four six twenty fifteen. <laughs> um, sorry, it's late. Like I said, it's right after raw finished up. So yeah, we got a lot that's a fair point. But um, yeah. So uh, real quick, just again, what the what the show is? It's a uh, it's a podcast about the a little inside the world of professional wrestling, more specifically the WWE. Um, we do do some uh, additional pieces outside of WWE. For instance, on episode uh, two, we actually had Mark in his uh, his segment, the Mark Effect, talk a little bit about some uh, um, Japanese wrestling there with the uh, New Kingdom Japan, Nine. Kingdom Nine, and uh, you know, I will touch base on different things in my segment, the Ace in the Hole. So uh, just a, you know, you can find us on all sorts of different um, social media sites with uh, Twitter. You can find us at the False Finish. You can hit us up at our email at or at the, the False Finish Podcast uh, at gmail.com. You can hit us up on uh, TalkShoe and find us live there and uh, share share our information, spread the word. We're getting downloads all the time. I'm keeping track of the statistics, and our TalkShoe is actually climbing. Uh, we definitely had quite a few views. I'm really pleased with it. some immediate downloads. I'm going to yeah, do some more to me. Yeah, I'm going to do some more research and see how we're doing on iTunes here shortly. Give us some more time to get out there, and we're still working on getting ourselves up on YouTube. Uh, as Mark and I talked previously, we're going to uh, push out a few episodes all at once to, uh, you know, for anybody who wants to go back and listen, get our perspective. And again, uh, something I touched on episode two, um, due to the the, Wrestlema- the WrestleMania recap that we did in episode one, was that uh, you never know what you're going to hear from, you know, any either one of us, especially Mark. He brings a uh, a world of knowledge, a wealth of knowledge, I guess. Um, that most uh, probably don't have, and you'll learn a ton of things, you know, for myself, you know, having been part of the, you know, professional wrestling world for so long, um, I didn't Oh, we both had a little bit of time in the business. You had it longer than I did as far as, like, actually being directly involved, so. Yeah, no, I mean just generally in the wrestling world, the professional wrestling world, and what what I mean by that is the the, the piece with considering, uh, you know, you pointed out, and I'm going to remind everyone, is that uh, you pointed out that they actually used to have uh, pay-per-views, including them. Survivor Series actually on days other than Sunday, and that was a normal thing to do. I guess. Did you say con- Sunday? Sunday, Sunday, buddy. Uh, sorry, everybody. Uh, I'm a I'm Ace here is uh, struggling with a little uh, medical condition, uh, for, uh, most known known to most as uh, bronchitis, and uh, it's it's a uh, it may make my voice sound a little funny um, right now. So bear with me here this week. I am on uh, all sorts of medical. Yeah, between your bronchitis and my hearing loss, we're gonna get some really interesting goofs tonight. I think. Oh yeah, I hope not. I hope not. Well, no, it'll be fun for the for the fans. I'm sure. Oh yeah. So. uh... As I as I was saying, you know, you can find us on all sorts of different outlets, Twitter, uh, talk to, get us an email, keep your eye out on Ace Alexander's uh, the false finish area on YouTube. We're definitely coming to that that venue and that media format, so we'll be there. But um, yeah, and once we get everything set up for uh, YouTube, hopefully we'll be able to let you know when that's actually going to be happening. And it will also include episode zero, which is something that uh, not a lot of people may know about, simply because it was. You know, uh, it, it started on, like, the night of uh, Friday right before WrestleMania, so a lot of people who may have already been aware of us just as we were getting set up may not have caught it. You're going to get the chance to see it once we get it put up on YouTube. So. 
Yeah, no, thank you, Mark. But, um, you know, just a rundown for tonight. We're going to have the Raw Rundown, uh, which where, you know, um, if you haven't listened to us before, it's where Mark and I go back and forth. We talk about what happened on Raw, give our perspective, give some ideas as to as, as far as how we think what happened tonight is going to continue moving the stories in the WWE along further. Um, and uh, from there, once we're done with the Raw effects, we're going to have, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the Raw Rundown, we're going to step <laughs> into Mark's, Mark the Smart Mark's, uh, uh, his own segment there that he has, and he's uh, titled... The Mark Effect! There we, there we go, the Mark Effect. It's a, uh, he doesn't have necessarily any specific topic he sticks to on that. He kind of plays that one from the hip and uh, goes with what he feels most comfortable with that week, what touches him. Uh, last week he talked about Wrestle Kingdom 9. This week uh, he's going to talk a little bit about how... He's actually going to take us back a few steps, back a few steps in time in the history of professional wrestling. He's going to pick a specific moment in time, and he's going to talk about how, if it went differently, how it could have affected where we are today in the world of professional wrestling. And I'm going to give some insight into some of those things from time to time, if I have any input into his uh, into his topic that week. And, and you're uh, more than welcome to do so if the, move, if the movement ever strikes you. Thank you, Mark. And uh, this week his uh, Mark, Mark effect is going to be titled... What if the NWO had begun differently, and how would it affect the world today? Right. So uh, listen listen to that, because he's definitely got some really solid insight there. He was bouncing some ideas off me earlier today, so I'm excited to hear what he what he came up with. Um, yeah, I was a little surprised that you were talking about having Brown Titus, because you didn't, you, I wouldn't have been able to tell if uh, you hadn't brought it up. So, yeah, I mean, because you I've did been, not sound that bad at all earlier. Oh, no, I've been hacking like crazy, buddy. I've been hacking oh, like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but well, they got me on steroids too. and antibiotics and stuff, so I'm, I'm hanging in there. And, well, uh, with the steroids thing, you're, you should be glad you're not involved in the business right now because I'm sure the government would try to come after us for that. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they, they'd be shooting <laughs> me down. 1994 all over again. <laughs> you, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be Hogan. Hey, Vince, Vince, I don't know if you'd give be Hogan, but you'd definitely be somebody in the, who was actually in the WWF at the time, because Hogan wasn't with them at the time. In fact, he was like a couple of weeks prior to, to um, actually, I think he was he was a couple of months away from uh, from joining WCW at the time, but he wasn't oh, yeah. with WWF at the time. No, that's true. That's true. But he didn't throw Vince under the bridge, which is a, a great thing for a future discussion there. Right, and yeah, that, absolutely. Definitely something to talk about when we get on to it later. In fact, actually, we probably should have covered that uh, if we had started earlier on in the year. I think if we had, it probably would have been perfect to discuss it probably right around January because that was actually when the trial took place, as I recall, at the same time they were doing uh, the Royal Rumble in 94. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. So, uh, you know, and then after the Mark Effect, we're going to have the my personal segment, my my own specific segment related to me. It's my ideas, what's going on up in this head of mine. It's uh, the ace in the hole. And uh, this week, um, as opposed to last week, I went with the top ten tag teams. We talked about that. Mark gave some insight into some of those tag teams. I gave justification as to why I picked them as the top ten WWE tag teams. And uh, this week I'm going to go a little broader in spectrum, really just because of the topic. And the the topic of this one is going to be the top five most shocking wrestling moments. So uh, stick tuned. Uh, there's, a, there's a little play into that ace in the hole and why I went with that. When you hear the top five, I'm sure you'll understand why. Oh, I'm going to be so, curious to hear about that one then. Yeah, no, thank you, Mark. So uh, instead of uh, sitting around waiting for... Uh, uh, you know, the time to c- continue moving on. Let's uh, let's go right on into the raw rundown, Mark. What do you think? Uh, you think that's a good time? 
Sounds like it would be a great time to me. Let's, Let's ring that it. bell and get on the way. Sounds good. So with the Raw rundown uh, tonight on Raw, um, they opened up and uh, you know they talked a little bit about how Brian Saxton um, stood up and he, he didn't stand up. He was at the announce booth with John, John Layfield, Booker T, talking a little bit about the uh, situation with uh, Michael Cole not being there. They kept talking about that in the beginning there, and then they cut to uh, the uh, Andre the Giant Memorial Trophy and the Authority standing at ringside. I got ask one question before before we get on to that. Speaking of the Andre the Giant. Uh, Battle Royal Trophy? Why is he bald in that? I mean, seriously, you look at that trophy. Andre is bald! Yeah, what you know, I don't know. I don't ever remember Andre being bald. I remember Big Show being bald. How he yeah, is. I know. That was, the, the, the same thing, though, if you look at even when Cesaro won it. He was bald on the, on the trophy. That actually know, makes maybe, sense. Maybe it, was just, uh, maybe, maybe it was just easier not to really carve out the hair. I don't know. Oops, sorry. Don't worry about it. No, so um, let's move. Let, let's shoot in from there. So Re- Seth Rollins, obviously, uh, I thought they did a good job building him up, let him take over. They talked about how Stephanie and um, Triple H were on vacation, which I, I think has something to do with Triple H's bruised hip from WrestleMania. And oh my I, God, really? I didn't know that had even happened. Uh, yeah. Uh, if you had watched the WrestleMania and actually saw some of it, there was a P, and you had to pay attention to it. But if you looked at his hip, his hip looked extremely bruised. I think maybe Stephanie. Well, that, that, that wouldn't have stopped necessarily Stephanie because she showed up the, the night after on on Raw. So yeah, maybe it's just, I don't know. Maybe it's just a solidarity thing. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure the direction they're going with it. I thought it was interesting. I think it was also to let some things happen with the authority, as you'll see as further yeah, develop in the conversation. Yeah, actually happening tonight, and that actually, yeah. I'm hoping that's going to lead to the beginning of an actual breakdown for this, because, honest to God, we need to get rid of, of the authority concept. I mean, this is basically, this is, this is the WWE's version, ironically enough, of the NWO. It's something they just won't let go of. They keep thinking general managers and evil... Uh, GMs are somehow going to bring in ratings. They don't. They bore the living crap out of people. And let's be honest, every Monday Night Raw, for the most part, over the last year, has started with a 20-minute, uh, you know, basically, you know, skit with Triple H and Stephanie, you know, stroking their egos. I mean, I, I, I was thinking about this earlier. I, I was going to say they were stroking their nuts, and in Stephanie's case, stroking her tits, but... I mean, let, let's be honest here. This is them basically just spreading their own ego all over the show. We know that they're in positions backstage. We don't need to keep seeing them. Honestly, Stephanie, I don't think we need to see period Triple H. We only need to see if he's actually going to wrestle. Yeah, you know, I, I could agree with that. I do some, some of me does like part of the authority angle, if used properly and not overdone. I think the problem it is be- it has been overdone. They've been doing it for the last, what, 15 years? Oh, they've been doing it for more than that. They've been doing it since 97, Mick Foley was the last, you know, quote, commissioner they had who was actually a straight-up character who was more in the vein of Gorilla Monsoon, Jack Tunney, who was mostly hands-off. But then everybody since has been some kind of corrupt GM. Even Teddy Long was shown yeah. to be corrupt. Yeah. But, I mean, when I say that they overuse it, I mean that they overuse it within the specific show. I feel you could still keep the role around to some degree where it's After not... After 15 years, that, I think we just need to stop with it. 
Well, where it's not the focal point of the show, you know what I mean? Like, I, I get what I get what it you're saying. It kind of is because think about it. Every single well, it thing, even the, tonight, it is everything the was all about the authority. It is the focal point, and I completely agree. But I, I feel that if it wasn't so much the focal point, and it was used shortly, t- slowly, and not so regularly to progress the the stories, it could be used. I like. Unfortunately, Stephanie I don't Collins. think Stephanie knows how to do that. And remember, she's on the writing team. Yeah. So as long as she's on the writing team, we're going to keep seeing her. We're going to keep seeing Triple H, and it's going to be all about them and what they want and who they want to pick as their flower boy. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, from there, you know, um, they continue to talk about, and I, what I thought was amusing as you watched it, there was some dissension within the team, you know. Oh, yeah, you had, yeah. And, and you the had big Seth part was talking they kept, to the they big kept show. taking shots at Kane. Yeah, I Seth thought that was really going, solid. What, what did Kane actually do out there? Well, I was you know, waiting. You could tell it's like the character Kane is the character at the very least. He was just getting pissed, and that's oh, why I think ultimately yeah. he did what he did. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I completely agree with that. But I, I thought that what was interesting was that they could have applied the situation that you know earlier on in the night. And I came in like, don't you remember? When SummerSlam was there, and uh, and you had to climb that ladder, or I'm sorry, he not did. Some, money in the bank. No, but like right off the bat, he, they could have been like, "Remember me? You don't have a bank, a money in the briefcase bank to cash in, unless I help you get that." So well, which he did, like literally about five minutes later. So it, yeah. it, it wasn't that. In fact, that it was wasn't the so long. But... That was the justification of him pulling rank on uh, on Rollins. You know, because remember, it's like about five minutes later. After the whole, when Orton comes out, he challenges Rollins, and then he basically, he, he says this line to, um, to Kane, like, how about you give me the shot, or do you need to go and ask Mommy and Daddy for permission, referring obviously to Triple H and Stephanie, and Kane just says, you know what, I'm going to put you, Reigns, and Ryback into a triple threat match, winner gets a shot at Extreme Rules, and... All three of them were, were then basically forced to fight a match prior to it. But then yeah. literally, like, right after they come back from commercial, you've got Seth Rollins playing this whiny little hunk. And, and not CM punk, but I mean... No, he's a slime ball. He's an edge-like Yeah, I mean, well, no, there's a difference between slime ball and whiny. This was, this was the character being whiny. Okay. Because he's like, this is all about protecting me. I mean, if he was being a slime ball... He would just be saying, well, okay, you got a plan, right? No, he's like, you're supposed to be protecting me. That, that's yeah. whiny. That's not slime ball. That's whiny. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. I agree. I can agree with that. I, I guess I just think of him, and, you know, it's, it's something that I found interesting tonight when uh, Seth Rollins' music hits. It's got this bump, 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 bump sound to it, right? Like there, and, and I've compared it compared him to another former world champion in WWE. You did compare him to Edge. I don't know necessarily that I find that to be an exact analogy. And again, part of it is, if you look at tonight, he was more whiny than slime ball because Edge, even at his worst, I mean, and he got pretty bad with the whole Vicky Guerrero angle. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm going to have to but look back at some moments. But even he was never that whiny. I'm going to have to look back because I'm pretty confident I can picture Edge sitting in the locker room holding on to his title and whining and complaining in the past. Oh, like, yeah, absolutely. What's not fair. Very he, was whiny. Never, he was never going... He never went up to... Triple H and went, oh, but why aren't you protecting? Well, I mean, granted, he was technically, quote-unquote, married 
to the GM of SmackDown, which, you know, right. Vicky Guerrero, we're, we're, we'll, we'll talk about her some other time, but yeah. I never saw him as being as whiny as Rollins was tonight, because this okay. was literally Rollins going, why aren't you abusing your authority to protect me? I'm the guy that Triple H and Stephanie consider their poster boy. Why aren't you doing everything you can to make sure nobody who could actually be a threat actually gets a shot? Admit that 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 was what he was doing tonight. Okay, no no arguments there. I I can agree. I, but I just want to point out: listen to his music the next time you have it, and have an opportunity. Oh, yeah. to Go listen to and the sound of the music. It doesn't fit as much with Edge's music. I mean, I no, get no, what I'm you're saying from that that, that it, beat, it kind of reminds really me of fit. things that to me. It's not the same. I totally get that. But it has this sound that just kind of reminisces. It brings back that you know, like you know, like when a smell or a taste it kind of makes you think of a moment in time. I can I can um, see that. I just and that that sound tonight when I heard it. When I heard it tonight, I was like, "Man, he's my new Edge," and I used to love. I I still I still appreciate what Edge did for the business and enjoyed him as a character. What you know, what he added to the the WWF WWE over those you know what fifteen years he was in there, something so, like that. Yeah. So we'll move on from this promo. It was a decent promo. I I liked how it furthered the storyline for Extreme Rules and tried to set up that title opportunity there. And I do yeah, like I that he took the winners from last week. To uh, prep yep. them up for the uh, for the main, for the match is that they would be fighting for. So yeah, absolutely. Um, so and again, Kane is just he pulled rank tonight, and you could tell Seth was not really sure how to handle it in terms of like the character. I mean, I'm not sure about uh, you know what the what the man behind Seth Rollins was thinking, obviously, but you know storyline wise, you could tell Rollins was like, "What the hell is going on? Why is he not protecting me?" He oh, yeah. even says as much. So, I mean, I, I thought it was an interesting way to see that. And I think we might be seeing the beginnings of uh, a, a split. I, I think we could see Kane turn face at some point because, I mean, his turn to join the authority made no sense. I'd love to see, I'd love to see him just go back to being a complete monster but have him be a monster face because we don't have a lot of those. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I can see that. So they moved on from that promo. They went right into Kane versus Randy Orton. They did the Kane versus Randy Orton. Randy Orton got over, made the win, made sense. Randy Orton beat uh, Seth Rollins last month, last month at WrestleMania, or right. couple, eight days ago at WrestleMania, um, prior to him winning the title. So it made sense that Randy Orton has to be positioned in that three-way match later tonight. If he's not in it, it doesn't make sense at all. You might as well not have the match. Um, well, it wasn't it wasn't a qualifier thing. They just they just had to have these matches before they went on to. The triple threat. The triple threat was going to happen. Well, this was just this was just Kane throwing a, a few logs in the way. Oh, maybe sure I they were that. injured or something going in because, as we saw later on in the night, I mean, you knew they weren't just going to sit around in the back. Let's be honest. No, you're right. You're right. No, that this makes sense, and I, I must have missed that tidbit earlier on that it wasn't just a qualifying. I for some reason had it in yeah, my mind. Yeah, it was not a qualifier thing. So, it was just basically, you know, they have to be said, worn down before their next match so that they, you know. So they were easy picking for the authority. That was the entire right. point of that. Right, and that makes sense. I of get that. Of course, that made no sense to have basically Orton do it at the start of the night, if that's what he was thinking, because that gave him two hours to recuperate. Yeah, yeah, which you see, obviously, uh, may have helped him later on as we get to that result. But Kane yep. ended up doing the, uh, he, he looked to get the choke slam into the chair, but Orton countered it and got the RKO into the chair, and uh, Kane escaped the match. So, you know, that no, was at that point, at that point, basically, the, the match was over. That's, he, oh, no, remember, that's what I'm saying. After the match, they were attacking. Kane was trying to get, you know, a couple he, over. He actually grabbed the chair, slammed it into his guts. Referee caught it. 
disqualified Kane. They get into the ring. He was going to try to choke slam him on the chair. Randy got out of it, went to go for the RKO, and Kane ran for the hills. Yeah. At which point, then we go into that, that, that promo backstage that we were just talking about, Rollins and Kane. And then, of course, he, he basically goes, well, you've got a match, and it's next. And, and, and this is like right at the tail end of that whole thing about why aren't you protecting me. And it turns out it's uh, Seth Rollins versus Adrian Neville. And I have to wonder, okay, how did he manage to piss somebody off literally his second week out? See, and I look at it exactly the opposite because you, you're, you're, you're giving the idea that Neville must have pissed somebody off to be in this match. No, no, that he lost. I mean, I, I, and, and well, let, let's be honest. See, did he, he lose, though? What did he, he could lose? have done is he could have had, they could have had it basically be uh, either, you know, the authority directly gets involved and is blatantly involved that the referee sees it, Therefore, Neville gets the DQ win. This keeps Seth Rollins strong, but at the same time, it doesn't hurt Adrian Neville's push. And, and again, they, they just call him Neville now. And, again, I have a hard time right. keeping that, you know, taking oh, yeah. that serious. But, yeah, I again, think it's like Adrian this is Neville. his second match out. He's extremely over, and they have him lose in a straight one, two, three. You could have very easily had it be a DQ or even a count-out win for Neville. It would have kept him strong without taking away the heat of Seth Rollins. You could easily have done that. Yes, but you didn't have to, because I walk away from this looking at this, like you have a guy who shows up his second week, and he, you know, he didn't he didn't lose, because if you watch that match... He got pissed. He, had, he, 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 didn't, he didn't... Okay, so if you were looking at a power ranking system for this match, and you look at Seth Rollins and Neville both coming in, Seth Rollins being the number one because he's your champion, and Neville not even being on the top ten because he hasn't had enough matches. He's had one match against uh, the jobbing Curtis Axel, and he got a win over it. It was an impressive-looking win. His style was impressive, and it was definitely a nice uh, visual into what he can do moving forward. But as you look oh, at Neville... And you look at him, so he's off the charts. He's not even on the top ten list of a power ranking. But he comes in out of nowhere, blindsidingly facing a match against Seth Rollins, when in the storyline is that Kane's trying to throw a match out there in front of Seth Rollins, but it's not supposed to be too tough of a match, right? Because it's supposed to kind of be like a, this is some guy who just showed up. trying to take Rollins down a peg, just deal with his ego. Right, and it's like, hey, I'm going to have this new guy beat you, the former NXT champion, Neville, showing up and beat you. And if you and the thing is, they have a history having wrestled in NXT. The WWE, you know, wrote, uh, the agents, um, they know what these two are capable of doing athletically of course, yeah. together. So you know you're going to get a really solid match when you don't have a Brian Daniels, uh, Dolph Ziggler one-on-one match or something really to draw the fans' attention to a really solid, technical, high-flying, high-impact match. And you these, still got a really decent a really decent match including some really great technical uh skills from both men and again oh, that's what the I'm thing saying. for me is yes Rollins won but I think this I think this didn't really do anything to help Neville in terms of being able to take him quite as seriously. What I would have done was if you're gonna do a match like that, especially considering that they have had history in NXT you got to give it a situation where you, you could have built a storyline out of this. You could have built a storyline out because you, you, you know you that could, until but you... Brock gets in there, uh, until Brock comes back at SummerSlam, you're, you're going to need somebody who's going to be a little bit of a satellite 
to Randy and Roman by saying, well, this guy can go, can, can go so well against the champion that Rollins basically would have rather had this guy get a dirty win by DQ or countout rather than, you know, than, uh, than, than be pinned or submitted by the guy because of how it would have made him look. Whereas, with, whereas this, it's like, okay, he gets pinned in his second match, and they're trying to pump this guy up. You don't pump him up on the first match. Granted, it's a, it's a jobber match with, with Axel. But you don't go from that to him being beaten by the world champion a week later because it's like saying, okay, we start this guy off strong. Now we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna crunch him second week out by having him lose to the world champion. You know, but how, why, but, why would we take that seriously from that point on? But you, I, I guess I still take him as a serious contender because the thing is, he didn't get squashed no, take, the oh, world I, champion. Oh, he could be and a threat, but the problem you, is, storyline-wise... His if, push is dead in the water there. Well, see, I don't think his push is dead in the water. I think he doesn't have direction for a push yet. I mean, he came out and fought Curtis Axel. You're not going anywhere there. Curtis no, Axel's a great that, athlete, they, and he's got so much potential. they made with this guy when he first showed up. And I think, think they still... the fanfare of it. And then literally, it's like two weeks later, okay, what was all the fanfare about? He got, he got beat... In by the match by the top guy. That's, but that's awesome. If you, I'd rather have him. Here, 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 here's I think my my. my I would rather have him build him up slowly and then See, have him have a match. He doesn't with have Rollins to win where he wins. But he doesn't have to win every match. That's the thing. I, I, I think didn't say he has to think, win every match. No, but I think the I misconception with. I just said he doesn't go from being from. I, I'm, well, I'm not saying he has to win every match. No, I get that. You but don't I, even necessarily have to have him win every match to build him up. What I'm saying is, you don't go from okay, you give him a win his first night out. Then the second night out, you have the world champion. Basically, you have him basically fed to the world champion. See, but he wasn't fed to him because he hit him with so many moves, and he had him on the verge of beating him. Had J and J not distracted him, so had J had J and J not distracted him, we see the red. I mean, in theory, obviously it's all stage. It's all scripted. They know to some some extent. They know it's predetermined, right? So we know there's going to be a winner, loser. Obviously, we just going to go down. So, but from a story, just watching it from a drama, a show on television, right? He went up to the top rope. He had. He had Rollins dead to right at that moment. He had just oh, done absolutely. that. He had absolutely. the hurt to where he dropped his head into the air, then he hit him absolutely. with that kick to the but head. That's why I'm saying. That's why I'm saying the finish there should have been a DQ or a count out in his favor because then you can say he didn't really win the match. He got the he got the check mark in the win column, but we don't know if he actually could have beat Seth Rollins, and that gives you something to really build him up on, regardless of whether or not he has losses in the future, you can say this guy took the champion to the limit, and yeah, I think, the champion, I think that's had, exactly to, what you're the champion had to take the cheap way out. And I think he still did to some degree, because he took Rollins to the limit. He never hit the red arrow on Rollins. Had he hit the red arrow on Rollins, would Rollins have kicked out, or would he have gotten the three? We don't know that for sure now. He still hasn't hit him with his finisher. So he didn't hit him with the finish. Rollins was able to then get his powerbomb into the corner, where he drops him into the corner with the powerbomb, and then, excuse me, hit him with the... Hit him with the uh, the curb stomp there for the one, two, three, and he's the world champion. He just skated out of WrestleMania with the title. He last week won- lost in a six-man tag match. His six-man team lost, and then this week yeah, he but he wasn't the one pin. He fights essentially. He, essentially, he's fighting the. No, he wasn't. But he was in the match that lost. He wasn't able to scratch out a win. And and the fact of the matter is, this is week two overall with your champion showing up and losing by disqualification. He didn't technically lose. I think he needs some credibility as a as a as a winning 
use your champ. You need him to win sometimes. And you're taking a rookie, a rookie, essentially, right? Because Neville, in theory, is this rookie that just showed up on Raw. Right, yeah, of course. We all know he's he's been around a lot longer, of course, NXT. and from stories. He's a hey, rookie. Well, on, rookie, in, rookie in terms of WWE. I mean, if you right. wanna if you wanna go with that, because right, and, that, and that's all. That's champion. all. It is. I mean, that's, that's not a rookie. That, but that's all he is right now. He's just the rookie that showed up last week, had a really good, intense match with Curtis Axel where he got over real fast. I mean, that match with Curtis Axel must have been three to four minutes max, and uh, I doubt it was even possibly that long because it was hmm. a really fast match. And in this match, he goes 15 minutes with the champ. J&J distracts him. He then still shows some life where he might be able to turn it around, but goes for a move that Seth Rollins, who is a good wrestler, a extremely talented athlete that does some crazy moves no, when he was Killed and with since he's been a heel and he's able to get the you know he's able to get that power bomb and then hit him with the curb stomp for the win so it was still a dirty win on Seth Rollins part but it was a win that he needed more than Neville needed at this point because um I think and this isn't all you all right all right I, I, I guess I could see that one this isn't necessarily you but this is this is a lot of fans out there and this isn't to disrespect the fans but I think there's a misconception with a lot of fans um that because of the Goldbergs the uh, Rusevs the Rybacks the uh, you name it they had undefeated streaks up the wazoo. Not necessarily all of them. I get what you're saying. And again, I'm not even saying Neville needed to have like a winning streak. I'm just saying you go from his first match is a win, his second match is a loss against the world champion. On one level, yes, okay, you get it's the world champion, but on the second level it's like why do you why why would you have him go out there to to have like a, a, a dirty pin on him rather than, you know, let's say getting him counted out or having Rollins get disqualified. I mean, I, I would have rather seen it be a count-out victory for Rollins or a DQ win for Neville, because then it still gives you that whole thing. You know, if, if it's a count-out, then it's a, it's a dirty win for Rollins. I can go with the count-out, but the disqualification I can't go with, because I think at the end of the match you need to have Seth in a position where he can raise the title and know that he won the match, because I think you need your champion raising that belt every so often as the champion. Right, and he wasn't right. able to do right, that last point, week so point. much because they did lose. Um, whether he was pinned or not and, and whatnot last week, he still lost that match, and he needed a win this week to come out strong. Um, okay, and I th- all right. I'm not necessarily sure I, I agree with it, but I, I, can, I can see where you're coming from on that. Well, and, and that's what we're here. We're here to debate and, and get some insight and make sure we both see some things. We may not agree on everything. Well, I'm sure as heck I know we won't agree on everything, and that's the benefit <laughs> of having two people and not just sitting right, here. Right, I, can so. feed, I could feed everyone a bunch of lines as to the way I think it is, and what's the point of that podcast? There's no interest. It's just right, one yeah. guy telling everybody how they feel. I'm not Vince McMahon. I don't get to tell you guys how everything's supposed to work out. So uh, after that, we got your your favorite wrestler there, um, Mr. John Cena, coming out and cutting a promo. I never said he was my favorite. Don't go I'm put sorry. words in my mouth, boy. I'm sorry. He's he's not my favorite. He's okay. You know what? Let me let me let me let me scale back. I'll rewind about five seconds. Okay, so here we go. Let's move on. We're going to move on to your United States champion, John Cena. How about that? Because he is your United States champion. You said that last week. I am willing, yes. I have no problem with him as United States champion. I'm not a hater, and I'm not like an, and I'm not like an uber fan, but I'm a fan of the guy because I know what the guy can do when he's allowed to be more than just their scripted poster boy, Superman. And again, I mean, part of the problem with that is, let's be honest, WWE kind of painted themselves in a corner with that with New Year's Revolution. They had to turn him into the Superman after they gave Edge 
the belt that year. I know you say that, and that's a very unique, um, a unique perception, and I really want to dig deep into that sometimes. So you and I, we're yeah. going to have to throw Ace in the hole and Mark Effect out the window one week, and we're going to have to do an Ace Effect or a Mark I like in the that. hole. Uh, I like that. I like that. We're going to have to do a segment where we bring both worlds together and we just hash some stuff out about that because we definitely have some uh, opinions on that. That's a funny name, but I like it. I like it. We'll have to do that one. But so then John Cena comes out and does what what we've all been reading about. Oh, and and I got something I want to point out after this match, so remind me. Um, They did the John Cena U.S. Challenge, as he referred to it. I really like that. U.S. Open Challenge, yeah. Yeah, and I I really liked how he was referring to it, or what I was reading online, they were going to refer to it blatantly as the John Cena U.S. Open, which I thought was kind of a cool play on words and play on the U.S. Open, but he went to the U.S. Open Challenge, which I kind of felt kind of deteriorated some of that like little gimmicky uh, well, again, feel to it. But I it's think all... they were worried about getting sued by the actual yeah. U.S. Open. And, and I get that, and, and that's fine, and I can tolerate that, but I thought it was kind of... I'll say, I thought it was cute that they were doing the John Cena U.S. Open. I thought it was cool. I, I was kind of digging it, but um, I will say I love how they're really centerpiecing the United States title here every week, giving John Cena some comp- competition. Um, I re- and I re- the guy who came out, uh, Stardust, Cody Rhodes, whatever you want to call him. No, 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 it's not Cody. It's not Cody. It's not Cody. It's Stardust. He said it. He was yelling at the fans tonight. Oh, yeah, he was. He, <laughs> but everybody knows who he really is. And I got, a, I got a question here. How has Marvel not sued these guys yet? Because he's coming out dressed up like Mr. Sinister. Is he? That, I mean, that harness that, harness that he was it's wearing? It's very similar, that's yeah. Straight up, now that's identical to Mr. Sinister. That's Nathaniel Essex, Mr. Sinister. That's his, that's his friggin' gear. Uh, that makes I sense. I can see it. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Being a Marvel fan myself, I definitely see that. But, you know... I think it looks good. I think it fits the gimmick. I think it works for him. Then uh, yeah, yeah, so they had the match. You talk about being a Marvel fan. The sad part is I haven't read Marvel since uh, since uh, what the hell is it? Uh, since they broke up the new Avengers, and I never liked One More Day, Brand New Day. Oh my god! Brand New Day. Oh, New Day. Wait, we got some of that. that no, no, up Brand too. New Day. I'm talking, I'm talking I know, about I know. The, uh, the comics. I know. I know. So. But they had a good match. You had two guys go at it. I didn't. It, he talked. He John Cena plugged his little information about Rusev prior to the match and whatnot. So they moved on with Stardust and they did the match, which I thought was a really good match. Unfortunately, yeah, that springboard stunner. I literally yeah. called it that a minute before JBL called it that. I'm like, okay, first of all, that, that's kind of weird that I'm, I'm, I'm having the exact same mindset as a guy who I think is supposed to be playing off as like the shilling for the rich and famous conservative Republican character. That, that's one thing right there, which kind of weirded me out. But this match was really good, and for all that a lot of people say, oh, well, Cena doesn't have any moves, did you actually watch this match? He, he was pulling out moves I don't think, I don't think he's used in years, and, and so, in some cases he's used ever. I mean, he used a freaking Michinoku driver tonight. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things that I found interesting about this match, and it gets back to something I pointed out from last week, was with John Cena. During the match, he really teases that the fans don't like him, and that Although he's in this, gonna, in this case, he, this week... He didn't actually do, did seem to did, did seem to be more in support of him. But do you know why they seem more? This is something I I have felt for a while. Right now, okay. Cena is Cena is officially labeled a face, and it, it's actually kind of funny because we've talked in the past about how uh, you know not necessarily as a it's what the fans cheer and what the fans boo, right? So right. They, the fans decide. Well, the fans right now, in a lot of cases, 
in a lot of cases, are treating John Cena like he's a heel. The letter's a lot of booing of John Cena. Oh, so, it has been for a couple of years. I'm not saying that, but if you if you listen oh, to their match tonight, right? The well, fans because, were all over them. The fans loved them. And 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 my perspective on that is as a as a pro wrestling having as you know has been mentioned previously on other calls and our podcasts here, I have wrestled previously, so I know a lot of the ins and outs of wrestling uh, professional wrestling psychology. And one of the things about the psychology is you have a heel and you have a face in a match. One plays the face role, one plays the heel role. If you go back and watch this match, John Cena was playing the heel role. For no obvious reason, he was the one getting the beat. He was getting the moves in, doing the work, doing the work, doing the work, and then Stardust, Stardust kept getting fed these babyface comebacks. It's which and the fans the, were booing him. And the fans were booing Stardust. But the thing is, it, it's funny because John Cena was playing the role of a typical heel in the match, controlling the match the way he was. And one of the things I've said for years now is John Cena's a f- heel because he's a face but he'll be a face <laughs> when he becomes a heel. Does that make sense? Does you get where I'm going? The strange part is it actually does make sense and the weird thing is this has already been done. In fact, it's been done with Cena. Look at the Doctor of Thugonomics gimmick. That oh, is right. exactly what this was. He was a heel, but he, he was, was a, a face. He was a heel, but people loved him because he was right. acting. He, he's the anti-face. It's a, a, the, he's Steve Austin. He's an the, anti-face. The most, he's acting like a heel, but the, the most, fans are loving it. The most recent one that I can think of, the wrestler in WWE that has been in this role where they were, you know, they were tagged with a responsibility of playing the heel on TV, but yet they were being cheered like a face was Bray Wyatt. I mean, and and the funny thing is, that was when he was fighting John Cena the most, because he really got over as a face in that match, and they had to do a lot to contain those fans and really uh, get them to not cheer for Cena. So yeah, just to not, just, to just not cheer for Cena. I'm sorry, not not cheer for Wyatt. Cheer for Wyatt, to, I think you were thinking, yeah. And, and to not boo at Cena. So just, um, you know, because Wyatt's Well, Wyatt I think at that point, such... they just said, screw it, because they've, they've been, you know, they've been booing Cena for, like, what, the last four or five years. Yeah, it's, so, it's I mean, been they a just, while. And, and they've run with it. They go, well, he's the most polarizing guy we've had in the last decade, which is kind of true. I mean, because you got fans who, who will cheer him and fans Cena who will boo him. And, you know, Cena and God, sucks. God, God bless Cena for being willing to run with it. but Yeah. So that was it was a good match. I'm I'm going to say it was a good show or that was a good match for the show. I like the US title picture. I like what they're doing with it. We obviously know they're doing Ryback versus Cena at the next pay-per-view Extreme Rules. That's pretty Bruce much that. Um, did I say Ryback? I was yes, I was looking at some notes and I saw his now, name. There was something you yes, said you wanted to point out here. And I would play this on us. AJ Lee. She I was just going to bring her up. And Why it, it did actually she it works perfect here because Paige and Naomi versus the Bella Twins. And obviously, looking at that matchup and taking into consideration the two, the two teams that were fighting, I see Naomi's name has pretty much taken AJ Lee's name out of the picture. So before we step into that match and what it was, um, AJ retired. Um, it was Friday I got notification. Now, is this what you wanted WWE. to point out about? Or, yeah, or? yeah, it was AJ Lee. I was very caught off guard for the fact I that she was I just got about that tonight. I'm like, wait, what? I mean, how? She's only been in the company, like, what, seven years? She hasn't she's been around long. She's very young. She's, like, 28 years old, going on like, 29. Why did she retire? I mean, did she get married and decide she wanted to pursue another career? Is she in She is married. What's the story? You, you do know she's married, right? 
No, I did, I did not know she was married. Oh. I, I, I well, did not. I've never really followed her. Her. So, you know the her best story outside the ring. This is something I want to point out to you and I, to, to the fans that I think is great about our call. And the reason our podcast is different than most. And I know this is interrupting the raw rundown, but I think it's key to make this point. Is mark the smart mark is exactly that. He's a mark. He's smart to the business and knows a oh, lot of ha, the business. Ha, ha, ha. I no, no, in no. the business myself. You call no, me a mark? No, you're, no, you're, you're Mark the Smart Mark, right? That's what you are, right? I mean, right. We're, all, we're all marks for the wrestling. That's why we're right, talking yeah. on a pod, That's why it's 1130 and we're talking on a podcast you know, about the thing we love is the professional wrestling world. It's, it's what we love. Dude, you're about 20 minutes off, bro. Whatever, 12 o'clock, whatever. So, you know, <laughs> based, on, based on that, one of the things I want to point out is that, you know, as there are news things that are out there, I pay attention to a lot of the, the insider information about professional wrestling. So there will be things that I say that you may not know. For instance, like we pointed out in episode zero, so if anybody goes back and listens to that, I pointed out that Bray Wyatt was also, um, what was the gentleman's Husky name? Husky Harris, yeah. Husky Harris. I pointed that out to you, Mark, and you weren't aware of that until you put it together and then you saw the picture in your mind and you recognized, oh, he's right. So while, while Mark offers us a ton of knowledge, he is your, in, he is in a way, He's an extreme fan. He knows every. He knows a lot of things, and this isn't. This isn't obviously Mark to to play down what you know. But you don't pay attention to the things like I do with some of that stuff. Well, it's just it's more not like something. I don't really know where the places would be to go to look into those. Things. Okay, I mean, that's well, more on your side of things. You've been in the. Right. You actually have been in the business you know, as an actual wrestler longer than I was. So you knew where to find these places to look up. You have, right. you have better contacts than I do. You are honestly the, the only real contact I still have who had any connection to the business. Haven't seen Alden, haven't seen, you know, Freight right. Train or all these other guys in, in, like, years. I don't even know if any of them are still wrestling. You are right. pretty much my major contact in the wrestling world. The only other guy that I know of who, who, who will call me about stuff, and again, he's it's, it's a friend of mine, but he calls me at random times for some of the dumbest crap and tries to, and tries to make it out to be like the biggest news in the world. So okay. most of the time, well, I, I, I kind of tune him out. I'm just, I, I hate to say that, but... Yeah, I guess what I'm saying here, though, is that the idea behind it is that you bring one perspective, and I bring another. Not only do we bring opposing views as part of the wrestling, you know, the... The, the drama, the the TV show they deliver, but we also bring different things to the the podcast, and this is just a reminder of it. The, the, Mark didn't know that AJ Lee was married to CM Punk, so if you're listening out there, you didn't know this, um, and you're listening no, to I, a, I, I knew CM Punk storyline involved. No, with in real point, in real but... life, CM Punk and AJ Lee are married. They were married. When was it? Uh, last year. Shortly. That might explain why I didn't hear about it, because right. it was probably something that they kept very quiet on WWE. Oh, yeah, WWE and didn't on their website it because of the fact that Punk and, and them are at odds. Right, and Punk had left at the time. So in I guess I guess there's a couple pieces to the whole AJ Lee thing, and I'm, I'm very disappointed to see her move on. I feel like she could have been a, a, a continued asset to the, the, yeah, the, the women's division. Curious. In WWE, and one of the things my and this is just blind assumptions that I'm making is that there's one of three things that comes into play. There's the law, there's the pending lawsuit with the the WWE's medical examiner people that falsely diagnosed uh, CM Punk, and he came out on a podcast and stated that um, I don't know what's true or what's not, but I know what Punk said and I know what the WWE said, and I'm going to take them both with a grain of salt until the facts come out. So I'm not claiming either one is truth or one is. Yeah, not. we're going to have to talk but, about that one a little later because I've only got barest ideas about this whole lawsuit thing that's going on there. Basically, there's a lawsuit. On that one. I won't go too big detail because we're in the raw run. No, I mean later, later is what I'm saying. Yeah, but 
but Punk is in a lawsuit with them. So that's one. Either um, WWE or AJ or Punk felt that she needed to remove herself from the opposing party because of the situation. It may have been the WWE's perspective to get her out of the situation. It may have been her own and Punk's. But then the other piece of it is she's married to Punk. Punk's focusing on his UFC career. They have Between the two of them, I'm sure they have a ton of money and resources that they don't need to put their lives at risk and their bodies at risk anymore doing the professional wrestling uh, road tr- thing. You're still going to put your body at risk in UFC, but yeah. I oh, Punk is, that. but he's getting paid a boatload of money to do it on a short, fast bang, get your money in and get out, which is probably what he'll do. Right. But the thing with AJ is maybe she, I mean, she's hitting about that age of 30. You know, She's getting up in her age. I'm not saying she can't have kids when she's older, because some do, but risk starts to uh, progressively get worse. Yeah, after the older you get, the more, the more likely you're going to like miscarry and stuff. Yeah. Right, so she, she's obviously got her difficulties there. And then there's the third piece, which I think has a large piece to do with it. There was a Twitter trend going several weeks ago when they had the women's match on Raw come in and last all of 30 seconds, I think it was, and I don't even remember who it was that got pinned and beat, but it was a just, it, the WWE was really at odds, and there was, the Twitter world was going, you know, they were doing the hashtag, give divas a chance, or give women a chance, yeah. and a week later, there was a, the, the Emmys, or the, the Grammys, or something had occurred, and there was the... Arquette woman had spoken out about women's rights and equal pay, and then Stephanie retweeted her and said, power to you, something, blah, 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 and really pushed the agenda of female uh, equalism and stuff. So Equality, it, but yeah. Equality, yes, equality. And AJ actually came back on Twitter and said, yeah, but how can we get paid half as much as the men wrestlers in your promotion? Oh, you ouch! Ouch! So, yeah. was probably pissed. Oh, without a doubt. But she couldn't publicly say anything. And it's funny now that all the give the women divas a chance kind of thing has dropped off. How now they still all do it, actually. They, they still they did reference it late. They did reference it late in the show this week. So. Oh, and I didn't I didn't catch that. But it, it doesn't have the same. It's the thing with, with the divas coming in to talk to Kane. Yeah. See, I didn't even pay attention to that. It. I, no, I hate no, to sound bad. I don't think anybody I didn't, did. But. So now that we know AJ is gone, we're disappointed. There's a little, there's three of we'll call them Aces theories. So uh, we'll see what comes see, what out I now. What I see is you know all right. So she's left WWE. She's retired, quote unquote. She said, well, now that's really pro- her actual name, if I remember right, isn't it AJ Lee? I don't think it's actually AJ. Well, now it's AJ Punk, right? I'm just kidding. Um, no, I'm, I'm not exactly positive exactly what her full name well, here's is. Here's the thing: but, Why doesn't she just go to another wrestling company if she still wants to wrestle? I mean, you got TNA, which I I don't remember if TNA uh, tours anymore. So there's her that, name, and then her name is AJ Mendez. Actually, that's her full okay, real life go. name. There you go. AJ, well, actually, it would be AJ Brooks now because she's married to CM Punk. To CM Punk, so, yeah. But, but I mean, I'm thinking, why doesn't she just go to another company if she if if she left because of uh, you know issues going on between her husband and the company, or you know, again, just the whole thing with. Stephanie and and the fact that you know, obviously you know AJ said something that probably pissed Stephanie off to no end. Right. You know she she could still go to like Ring of Honor or more likely TNA because I I don't even know if TNA still tours. I think they just do shows from Florida for the most part unless they're doing a pay per view. If that's so, the case, she, so, so, she so may. She have. does have options. 
she she may have, and that may be the case. But what they kind of hinted to tonight, which I found interesting, was that the page in, well during that they said that she retired from in ring act in ring comp- competition, whatever that was. So I'm interested to see if this is storyline related or if this is actually wrestling, like this is real life. If it's real life, she was probably left on agreeing terms, which probably if she asked for her release if it was anything on her part, the WWE still owns her name forever for so many years. And AJ Lee, yes, but she, well, you know, that, that doesn't really... They, she can still think, call herself AJ whatever. That is true, but think back to when Brock Lesnar left the WWE when he wanted to leave, and he was limited to the amount of you know, public appearances and things he could have. So, without going too much, too deeper into the entire AJ Lee saga, and which we kind of a little too late for that. Yeah, but. yeah, we've definitely gone a lot further than I wanted to with that. But all in all, then you had the Paige Naomi versus Bella's, which I believe probably up until last week. Paige, was Paige. still, to my mind, the hottest freaking diva they've got. I don't know why. I, 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 I don't know. A lot of she, people she, say she, that. She's as pale as Sheamus, but yep. I think she carries it a little bit better. Oh, definitely. Um, but she's 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 been doing good. They she ended up getting the uh, finish on it. Uh, Naomi hit a head scissors, and then I think she did like that big bump bump or something, or maybe that. Yeah, they're calling it the rear view. That seriously is like the dumbest finisher name I've heard in a long time for anybody, man or woman. Yeah. So I wasn't. I mean, I wasn't like, ooh, this is a great match because, in my opinion, it had three women's women trained wrestlers versus women wrestlers, and that's kind of. A vague difference I have in what they are. Paige is a wrestler. She's a woman. She's a female that wrestles. These other ones are females that were trained to wrestle. In my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I can agree with but that. I, yeah, because you look at Paige, she really feels like she knows what she's doing out there, and she's really about the wrestling. Whereas if you look at Nikki, Bree, and Naomi, it's like okay, they're trained to do some moves, but they're not wrestlers. I got a question. What the hell is Bree mode anyway? I mean, I, I think they're going to finally the split the show. sisters up again, but at the same time, it's like too little, too late. And so, what the hell is Bree Mode? What the hell is that? I don't know what it is because I know it's from the TV show, and I never watched that little diva show, so I oh, couldn't God, tell you yeah. what it is. But I, I didn't uh, watch all that was, uh, I, you, you, you couldn't even pay me enough to watch Total Divas. Yeah, yeah. So there was that match. Paige and Naomi got the win. I don't know where it pushes things. We'll see where things go with the female division now that some obvious change-up has to occur now. Maybe right, this opens yeah. up opportunities for some NXT females to get a shot on the show. Bring up Charlotte but, um, Flair. It would be a perfect fit, I would agree. I would think that would be a great move and on their part. Gonna, and, and, and until they actually say otherwise, I think I'm going to start calling her Charlie Flair just because it sounds better. I don't know why. It actually sounds better on her, you know? I like Charlotte. I like Charlotte. That's good because, you know, Charlotte... Yeah, Charlotte you know, Flair, you know? So it's yeah, but but if you think about it, Charlotte, North Carolina, right? Like, that's... Right, yeah, so... So it's Flair country, but... I, I'll move on. What I actually found interesting was the promo that that actually occurred. I really like what they're doing with the primetime players right now. They're that it, was funny. My passion for funny. tag team wrestling is starting to get that fulfillment because you are seeing them with specific tag teams have roles because with three hours of programming every week on Monday and then two hours of programming every Thursday, and that's just on their two main shows, not counting well, main event, NXT and all other the other things. stuff on the network. So. Right, yeah, anything like main event and stuff that ends up on the network or whatever other station they're broadcasting it on now, you have the opportunity to really develop tag teams. And you have people that are doing nothing, so you might as well put them in teams and allow them to do something. Yeah, really. I mean, so it is good to see the primetime prime players back, by the way. I, mean, amusing, I, I think it was amusing what they did, the whole stuff with the New Day. They're bagging on the New Day, and then the detention was what funny. What Everybody's bagging on the New Day. Like, I said this on episode zero. New Day? I'm not, e- I'm not even black, 
and I feel offended for them, for the gimmick they're yeah. running right now. I'm, I get like I said, I'm white, and I feel offended on their behalf. I literally, first time I saw these guys come out, I was like, wait a minute. You, you basically turn them into choir boys for a gospel group? How yeah. freaking racist is that? I mean, credit to them for, for being willing to do it. But like I said, I'm not even black and I was offended on their I, behalf. I get that, but I think a lot of people nowadays get offended too easily with some things. Because if you think about it like no, I mean, that. Just for the stupidity of the gimmick. Well, and the, the gimmick, fact that it really does come off as a racist thing. You know, it's like, see, this I is the best you could come up with for them? I think that I think there's some I think there's some failing on the creative side to not come up with something better. But I think what actually happened there was they were going down a direction where they were going to be like a current stable of the nation of domination, and they were. I think that's where they're going now. Because well, we'll talk about that a little bit more. We'll talk a little bit more about that definitely. But prior to that, we had this. You know, back when they were first starting to establish that team, they were looking like they were going to be this nation of domination group where Xavier Woods was acting as this mouthpiece that was angry and resentful towards the way they weren't getting a shot and stuff, but I think they got a, I think WWE got a little bit of flack with that where they just didn't feel safe going in that direction at the time. So and they, they went, went with something worse. Well, see, worse as far as character development, what it did for the characters, I would say yes, but actually, I'll talk a little bit more about this later. Let, let's just move on from that for now right, because I really yeah, got some so. piece I want to say about that. But then you have the uh, the promo. It was good. I think it's exactly what the tag team division needs. I like what they did with the prime time players. I also, uh, you know, I, I enjoy tag team wrestling, as everybody knows. So that was good. And then they had the Ryback versus Luke Harper match. Moved on Which to that. Which was decent. It was decent. It was good. For, Ry- for Ryback's ability, completely agree. Completely agree. Seeing Ryback be able to get any kind of good match, but this is Luke Harper. Was Ziggler legit injured, by the way? Because they were talking about that, I know, uh, right after that when... uh, Ambrose. Ziggler. Okay. Because remember, we were supposed to have that tag match on Thursday, and Ziggler had to be pulled out of it for whatever reason because of what happened on Raw the previous night. Yeah, I don't know. He may have been hurt, but it sounds like they're wrestling again this week anyways. They may, have just, wanted to, to, yeah. they may have just wanted to carry that, that beating down the road a little bit. But it was a good match. Uh, Luke Harper's a great talent. Anybody who knows of Luke Harper knows he's from the New York area. Uh, used to wrestle down in Schenectady, and I've actually been in the Was he one of ours? He wasn't one of yours in the time frame in which you were a part of it, but he was a part of it when I was. So I'm familiar with him, and whenever I see him well, walk down... Still, yeah, World of Hurt, so that technically he's one of ours. Yeah. So we're both from World of Hurt, sort of. He did, so. he did some time there in World of Hurt, so yes, he yeah, definitely... Well, good, for, you know, good, good for him. Yep, but Ryback ended up getting the win for that, which made sense. You know, let the face get over. Um, Harper, I don't think, needed the win right there. I think Ryback... Yeah, no, of, he's fine where he, he's not going to be hurt by that. So. No, Luke Harper does enough amazing stuff in the ring, he didn't need that win. So then they... Uh, then they moved on to the New Day promo, right? Wasn't that what was next, I think? Yep, and they go, if we don't clap, we're going to snap. Yeah, so... That's where I think they're getting ready to finally turn them heel, because honestly, they got to do something with them, because like I said, I mean, when they, they first turned. debuted, I, I, I did get that same Nation of Domination feel initially, but at the same time, I was still like, okay, really, this is the best you could come up with, is a bunch of yeah. choir boys for See, a gospel? And again, I, I, I felt offended on their behalf. But now, if, if they actually turn them heel and they go, okay, screw the singing, screw the dancing, we're just going to go out and start beating the crap out of people. Well, that's the that thing. Works. And this is what I wanted to touch on. So I'm going to I'm going to combine this talk into this kind of segue that into their match with the Lucha Dragons. So they were wrestling Lucha Dragons. It was a I great love those, match. by the way. I love those two guys. They're they're awesome. Yeah, oh, it was a it was a great match. It was good back and forth. You know, I think Kobe's still maybe my good. favorite cruiserweight right now. <laughs> 
<laughs> Kalisto is an awesome, an awesome, awesome wrestler. I really do like him. But yeah. uh, you saw Cesaro, Ces- I'm sorry, Cesaro and Tyson Kidd doing their little cut-ins from the backstage. So is, it, is it me or did Tyson kind of look like, oh crap, these guys are gonna, these guys are gonna steal my spot? Well, yeah, who knows? Because Tyson. I mean, uh, Cesaro didn't seem like he was having that much of a problem, but you look at, you look at the facial expression. On the, by the way. Speaking of facial expressions, let me jump back real quick to Cena versus uh, Stardust. And I remember, I, I remember they going, you know, look at the face on Cena. What does that mean? And the first thing that went through my mind was, I'm going to beat the living crap out of somebody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You saw that expression on his face. He looked like he was sucking in his teeth. I'm like, okay, what happened? Where did? Wh- why have we not seen this John Cena? You know. In all this time, because again, this is going back to Doctor of Thugonomics. But yeah, yep. they were doing it with New Day, and I do like where they're going with this, especially if they do turn them heel. So, well, but the Lucha so Dragons, that was we, an awesome match. We crapped on the New Day for so long, right? A lot of people do. The fans, New Day, and then they sell socks, and, and that's really what they're getting at, which I started thinking tonight, maybe this was the plan, because when the New Day first came out, right, you're talking Big E, a former Intercontinental Champion, you're talking... Uh, Kofi, who's a former Kofi, U.S. and Intercontinental Champion, and tag team champion. And a Money in the Bank slash Royal Rumble spectacle every time he's in those matches. So he's a talent that's got, he's been appreciated. He may not have gotten the top strap yet, but he's been appreciated. So you have Xavier Woods, who's a newer, younger guy who really, I I wouldn't say young. He came in from TNA, you know, and, and, you know. TNA is the uh, Apollo Creed, and then came (laughs) in. Consequences Creed, but yeah, that was pretty much what he was battered on. Sorry, Consequences Consciences Creed there. Consequences, not Consciences. Yeah. Good Lord, man. You, 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 show you do something with somebody's name. What's the matter with you? I'm not the name game, man. It's the name game. So the the piece there is you got the you, you had a group of guys who really had no reason to complain at the time. Um, the only one out of the three that I could really justify complaining was uh, Xavier Woods because he got stuck with that whole big – uh, Brodus Clay stuff that he had to deal with for a little while and the dancing. So at first I didn't like that whole thing when they went to the New Day fate. I liked it when they were going Nation of Domination, but let's let's take a step back and think, okay, well, maybe they were going that direction and they thought back, why are these guys complaining? And then they thought, let's make them the New Day, really, which is a cruddy-looking, stupid, boring gimmick. It just isn't going to get over. No way in heck that gets over in today's world at all. Mm. Like, some people might like it because they got these bright, flashy gear and stuff that looks cool, and they're, you know, it's it's three African-American wrestlers teamed up, so they've got a look and a feel that, like, kind of brings them together. You know, it's a cohesive unit. So One of whom actually is from Africa. Right. You have I, don't, I, don't know about, I don't know about Woods and, and, and Langston, but Kofi actually is from Africa, so, I mean... And he was, I think he's, he may be the first African who's actually, he's, I don't know if he's got citizenship here. I, I know, at the very least, he's got a work visa. If he's, if he's actually a citizenship, if he's naturalized, that's fine. But he is, he is the first African, he's the first African-born intercontinental he's, champion. He's born and in that's Guyana. something I don't think anybody's ever going to be able to take from him. Yeah, so... You know, with all that said, and, and the piece of it is, you had these guys that were complaining for nothing, and they bring them over to this really lame gimmick. So when you said earlier that they kind of hinted towards a heel turn possibly coming, I would justify in stating that tonight 
on Raw, they heel turned against Lucha Dragons because oh, absolutely. you had Kobe absolutely. Kingston on the outside of the ring take that cheap shot, and you had Woods look around like, what did you do? And then he's like, yeah, I'm into this. Let's do this. And whatever we got to do to win, we're going to do it. Well, the, the Dragons it. still got the win, obviously. They got the but win, yeah, but I, I love I that, say they, that they did that, yeah. The Luchas got the pin, but I think both teams won in this case. Oh, absolutely. I think, absolutely. I think the New Day progressed in the direction that they absolutely positively needed to head, which is into a heel-like, frustrated, angry, you know, uh, oppressed minority, which is what they're going to hopefully play off of, because I always love that in wrestling. I think it's a great it's a great way to go with it. It really brings passion out from fans. It brings passion out on multiple levels. And it, it gives I don't whole, necessarily need to go the oppressed route, but you could just do the angry young man route, which is I think is what they're going here with. These are just three guys who, for whatever reason, think they haven't been given the shot that they deserve, even though they've gotten some great success, you know, and they're just pissed about it. I don't necessarily and, know that it's they just happen to all be a minority group. They just all happen to be in a minority group. Right. I digress because it's, you know, <laughs> it, I don't want to make anybody question anything or cause any frustration with fans, but I like it. I think it works for the three guys. I think it could be a launching platform to get B, Big E back into a, uh, a solid position, uh, hmm. Kofi, and even possibly bring Xavier Woods up into a more powerful role moving forward. So I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good move in the direction of the uh, direction. Which of reminds me of that line that uh, JB, I think it was actually later on in the show, it was like, bring Clarence Mason back. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I would totally be for that. But uh, then they <laughs> moved on to Roman Reigns' big show, which was the that same match we saw. Like, what, three, three Superman punches before show finally went down? Yeah, I just, I don't know. I I feel like I've seen that this kind of works because again, and they're, raw. Try, they're, they're still trying to build show up again as a monster heel, which seems like the only time we can ever take him semi-seriously. Because yeah. they, they always turn him into a goofball anytime they turn him face. He turns every three months. It's just his uh, show's got to turn. Show's got to turn. Other changes. New 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 uh, new uh, what is it? Uh, gimmick. No, I'm not thinking gimmick. I can't think of it. Uh, new season. So you have the fall, winter. <laughs> you know, every quarter it changes. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't. I, I wanted to. I was trying to say the word season without saying the word season because I thought it was a different word than season, but it was just the word season. You think you said the word so, season enough in the last five seconds? That's what I was shooting for. So uh, it was a it was a Cena-like match performance by Roman Reigns, but I think this is the type of match Roman Reigns needs to have because I think they need to show him as a strong guy where he doesn't necessarily need to talk, which this is like the second week in a row we haven't heard him talk. And I we think have that, not, actually. Well, no, I we think have. We have, we, because he, he, had a, he had a match after, he had an interview oh, after Big Show. Oh, you're right, you're right. He did have a little match after the Big Show, which we can talk about since we're right no, there. No, interview. Interview, I'm sorry. He had an interview, interview after yeah. the match with the Big Show where he just kind of pushed the fact that if you think what I did before was bad, wait till you see what I do in the next match. So, right, yeah. You know, there was that. There, Which worked. You know, I mean, that worked. That was perfectly in character for him. Yeah. So then you had the you had some promos back there with Kane and like the cell phone and stuff. So nothing major. And that's where that's where they they reference again the give divas a chance thing when those other four divas came in to try to butter him up for a uh, a battle royal to have uh, you know to see who the actual number one contender was going to be to the divas title. Yeah. And then, you really would have had to have been either listening to it or really not have had anything better to do while you were listening to that particular promo. I caught it simply because I was paying attention to the thing, simply because we were having, the, you know, we do the podcast, and I like to make sure that, you know, if it's something that, you know, 
one of us missed, the other one at least caught something on it, and this, this yeah, no. was like one of those rare That's cases. That's one of those so. moments, because I didn't catch that, because I was on a delay side. Yeah, and when the, the artist, guy catches it, you know there's a problem. <laughs> yeah, I I had it on DVR, and I fast-forwarded through that. Ah, uh, that, that, that would probably do it. <laughs> sue me. Sue me. Show me. Give me a reason. Uh, for how much? Uh, give me a reason to give the Divas a chance. As soon as they give me a reason to give Amen. them a chance, Amen. I... Amen. Again, I've been saying this since episode zero. You got women in there who oh, I'm pretty sure can wrestle. Let them actually wrestle. Show us why we're supposed to care about the Divas or get rid of their division entirely. Give me a reason to care. That's hashtag give me a reason to care. So Amen. Seamus comes out after that promo and cuts he a little still promo. He looks like a rooster. I think he, he still, still looks, looks like a awesome. I can't wait till they come out with his, his uh, Mattel action figure because I'll be buying that to go along with the rest of my collection. I, so. I didn't like that they changed his music. I didn't even catch it. Because music, I'm, I love the original, the song he's been coming out to for the last... He, when he first started coming out to it, he was a heel. He's a heel now. I want them to ring back written in my face because that, that, that was perfect for him. Okay. I I didn't realize that uh, it was a pretty back and forth big man match. Mark Mark Henry Sheamus. Mark Henry ended up coming out to pick on a own, you know give Sheamus his own size guy to fight, which you know yeah because they basically and, and JB even JB even says like so Sheamus is a bully now yeah Wait, which know, is hilarious because he he was he was at the forefront of the anti bullying campaign for the, for how long now and all of it's like well now he's a bully oh yeah. Yeah, so uh, that, that that was ironic, and it and and it worked because of the irony. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I get that, but I I just I feel like the thing with Sheamus and Mark Henry was that I thought Mark Henry was a heel the last time I saw him, so I feel like the well, last time you saw him must have been at least a year ago because he's been face for like was he a face? It, it would have like... to been over a year ago. Excuse me, because okay. he's been a face for the last year. I feel like he was a heel the last time he came out, but. Maybe I maybe I'm just mistaken there. It could just be me forgetting the most recent things. Because again, Mark Henry is so irrelevant to me. Even when he carried the world championship, I felt like he was irrelevant. So that may just be my dislike. For I think the whole reason they—I'll be honest—I kind of agree with you. I think the whole reason they gave him the belt was, you know, you've been with us for ten years. We we put you through crappy gimmick after crappy gimmick. So he was I think, I, I think it's the same thing as the reason why they gave Kane the belt. Yeah, because yeah, he's just, he's just been dealing like for- stupid crap after stupid crap. But then, uh, so then they went after the Mark Henry match. They went right into that Bray Wyatt promo, which, what do you think it is, man? It's Taker. You think it's still Taker? It's Taker. It's, I, said, I said to myself, it's, it's one of two things. Either it's Taker or he's going after Sting. And Sting, remember, WrestleMania was supposed to have been his last match, although I think you said, according to the transcripts of what you heard from his, from his interview uh, post-Raw, was that uh, he was open to doing more stuff with them. But at this point, he's still doing that whole new face of fear, and he really has nobody else to talk to about that or act than The, than the Undertaker. So either, so either we are going to see them march towards Survivor Series, which we, which we did bandy about in episode, uh, what was it, episode one or, or episode zero, we talked about this, and I, and I know we mentioned in episode one at the very least. I, I do see them... Continuing this feud, if you want to call it that, uh, and they'll end it at Survivor Series with Taker bowing out at the, end of the, uh, at the end of the show. Yes. That, that would be awesome. I think Bray Wyatt could, 
I think he could do the Undertaker's final match justice. I think the Undertaker, him, I think the character, I think the performer, I think that would be a great closing for the Undertaker. And as it we talk work. every week, I hope we're talking closer and closer to that match. I th- I hope that as it gets closer, they reveal more and more, and you and I are starting to hit that nail on the head because I really hope that's the direction they go. Yeah, because like I said, when I when I when I saw it tonight, I said, okay, he's either calling Taker out again or he's going after Sting. Because yeah. really, I mean, Sting's kind of done the supernatural spook bit in the past. Uh, we know he's, he's just coming off the match with Taker. It's one of those two because there's really nobody else for him to go after at this point right now with that particular uh, line of phrasing. Either because, one of them works. Yeah. Either one of them works, but I feel like Undertaker's the most the most. Yeah, again, he, he was the top guy who came to mind, so I think it is Taker. He's, still, just trying to, to, he's still trying to draw him out, wants to have another match. And again, like I said, it's either Taker or it's Sting, and I think the only reason it might be Sting is new face of fear, basically claiming himself to be the new face of evil. What is Sting's general uh, concept? He's the crow. He fights evil. Okay. That's, that's the only reason I could think of that it would it would fit Sting. But I'm I, I'm with you. I'm pretty sure it's Taker again. I'm gonna get this it, is it my could, first thought. It could work. I think I think it's Taker right there with you. That's what I think. But um, we. You know, I had a point that I was going to make, and it totally, totally fell out of the brain here for a moment. But, oh, there we go. Back to you. So, Bray Wyatt, you know, he's facing an injury right now. We know that because of the ankle. That's right, yeah. You said he his I, uh, sprained ankle or whatever it was. I think one of the best things that he can offer is that opportunity to, to sit back and kind of work that either one Sting or Undertaker because neither one of them is he going to have any physical contact really with right now he can sit back and do all the work he can do all the promos he can push it and all Undertaker has to do is show a a lightning bolt to the ring or Sting just needs to have a crow sound in the audience whichever one he's going after Bray Wyatt can do all of the work for them because he is absolutely I would I would reach out on a limb here and say he is by far the most overly he's the most talented individual on the roster to join the roster within the last three to four years. And I think... I, he, I could see that. I could honestly I see that. He, I mean, him, him and Ambrose. I, yeah, think Ambrose. I think it's a tie Ambrose between those right two. There. Ambrose is right there, but Bray Wyatt has more time to develop his character around the character Bray Wyatt, where Ambrose was part of the Shield, and now Ambrose is completely different than he was when he was with the Shield. Not that different, actually. He's just... I think he was more a case of... The, the the shield were keeping him from going over the edge because they were calling they were still calling him the lunatic fringe even back then. Oh, I they agree. They were calling him the lunatic fringe of the shield. Now there's nothing holding him back. It reminds me of the line from WrestleMania Eight. We had uh, Hawk and Animal. They had brought in Precious Paul Ellering, I think, for the first time to the WWF, and uh, they had the interview with with Gene Oakland. They go, "We've been a runaway train. Scary thought, huh?" scarier now, look who's running the train. With Dean Ambrose, it's the exact opposite. I was a train that was barreling down at, at 50 miles an hour, but somebody had their hand on the on the brake keeping me from going just full bore. I, I agree with you I right there. I have no limits. I agree. I agree. I wouldn't, I wouldn't dis, uh, disagree with anything to say there, but I will say that Bray Wyatt by far has an opportunity to do some great things in the future of the WWE, and I think he can be around for years to come. And tonight was a promo that said just that, with oh, saying absolutely. almost nothing at all. And it's just yeah, really. But uh, yeah, then yeah, it, 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 you know what that reminds me of as well, sort of? Warrior. Yeah. 
Because Warrior was one of those guys who could say, Warrior, I don't ramble. know what he was saying, but he, had but he was saying it and we didn't understand it. Same yeah. thing with Wyatt. Yeah, but the Wyatt seems just more, I, and maybe it's just the character around it versus what the Warrior was. Right, the character absolutely. of the Wyatt, it just fits this sadistic, manipulative, backwoods guy who just tells... But again, Charles it, Manson or Jake, either way, you know? It's, Jake, very Jake-like, I can see that, and, uh, you know, that whole thing. But then they moved on to the Ryback promo, which was a lot of feed me more and it's feeding time um, stuff there, so... That was that, literally like three seconds of his promo, dude. Yeah, that was, but that was it. And then the Miz, Damian, Sandow match, which I was really surprised to see. And by the way, see. I'm going to say this straight up. I called this. No, you I didn't. I called this Stop last it. week. Don't, don't I called say this it. last week. They're still calling him Miz Dow. Whatever. So, so I was right in still calling. They, they flat out call him that. Mark, they're, I'm going to ban him Miz Dow. I'm banning you from the show. No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It is Miz <laughs> Dow. You were right again. I will not argue with you there. It is Ms. Dow, and I will I will unfortunately refer to him as Ms. Dow until he changes his name. But he came out like a ball of fury. I just felt like the match didn't... I feel like it's almost like a faked aggression with Damian. They've been calling since, since, you know... They, they never stopped, by the way. They oh, I know. They've been calling him that even no. at SmackDown, so... Oh, I know. But when when I watch Ms. Dow, I just... I, he, la- he, he lacks the... The, the the aggression to be angry. Like, I saw him being aggressive, and I just didn't feel like his character was giving me an aggressive side. So I'm interested to see how this goes. You obviously... It might have just been you, because I believe me. SmackDown came out. He attacked The Miz. On SmackDown? Really brutally last week as retaliation for the attack from last, from last week's Raw. I may have missed that part then. But in this match, I didn't feel like they... I feel like this feud could be so much more, but I don't feel like it's... I don't know if it's the characters involved, and you know, because it was more of a comedy comedy, uh, comedy stick that got Damian Mizdow over. That oh. it's not so much like this aggressive fighter, angry man, mad at his old boss type thing. It's not working for me. But I know it's what they're trying to set up for Extreme Rules, so we'll see how that goes. But, you know, after that match, which was a relatively fast match, of once if I excuse me, once again, yeah, that's started, because they were going straight into that uh, that triple threat. They did the triple threat. And the triple threat was good for, you know, having, in my opinion, two of the worst, uh, I don't want to say worst, but two wor- two wrestlers who don't wrestle a very technically sound game. Randy Orton can have a great match with a lot of very technical guys. Randy Orton can have really horrible matches with some big guys. And Randy Orton isn't, he's not going to bring the best match out of anybody, but other people can bring the best match out of Randy Orton. And unfortunately, Ryback and Roman are not guys that are going to bring best matches out of anybody yet. And I, I don't find them that great. It's to me, Roman Reigns is the Samoan version of Ryback right now, and Ryback is the he's the white version of Roman Reigns right now. They're the same guy. They both have their spears. They, uh, you know, they do their they, they do their little gimmick. It's you know, Roman Reigns does a little. I'm cocking up the fist so I can hit my Superman punch. You know, Ryback. And then of course you got Ryback with the. With a meat hook, yeah, the meat cleaver, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Exactly. So, you know, they're, to me, they're very similar characters doing the same thing that both didn't get the push when people felt they should at different times. So um, I don't think anybody could have – actually, I disagree. Roman Reigns could have come out the winner, and I'd have been okay with it because of the history of him and Seth Rollins. But I hope that they're really slow with building that. I think Rand- that's what they are doing, simply because they just want to get Randy out of the way – because they want to build. I think Randy the, deserves it the most because he beat Seth. I think. I think. I think story driven wise. Story wise, yes. Story wise, yes. It but the I most think what they're doing is, like you said, it's that slow burn because I think they want to 
wrangle another three uh, another three way at SummerSlam. Rollins, Reigns, Lesnar, just just to to cap that whole thing off. But I do think we're going to get at least one Roman Reigns match in between now and then. Yeah, no, I, I can see that. I can see that. But so that match went on. You had the authority kind of make the presence felt at first. And, yeah, uh, and you knew and that Roman did that for the other matches too. I mean, you yep. knew they were going to show up. Oh yeah, Roman did what I felt was probably his most spectacular move. He does is that leaping uh, lariat cl- flying over the top rope there, and he jumped into the authority, which I thought was cool. But then Big Show got his punches off on him, which I feel is setting right. up. I feel which reminds me that this is actually something that's been bugging me all night, and I remember why now. The WWE has done something that I kind of go, why did you do this? Why is it one quarter of their goddamn ring apron skirt has been converted into an LED screen? Interesting. What is the point of that? Interesting you say that. So that is something that came out of NXT. And it is actually something that I enjoy. And I also get the reason behind it. So if you've ever, and, and I wasn't sure the exact reason, but NXT did it as a trial to kind of fit their mold of their their, um, their arena that they use down there in, uh, what is the school called? It's uh, Florida Sale University, I think. So when they're down there doing their shows, they have that. that and they've used it on all of the big shows. They've used it actually but on all the But is it an actual screen? Is it actually supposed to show the match in case anybody, for whatever reason, is not seeing nope. the match? I mean, I, I don't understand because it's it just a logo. What they do is, well, think about it. You've been to Raw. Other people have been to Raw, SmackDown, pay-per-views. Whenever they do those shows, don't they have multiple shows they record, right? So picture this, right? All that time that they have to spend in between show recordings flipping the ring. You still have to take the ring aprons off anyway. They don't have ring aprons on there anymore. Yes, they They, do. No, not over that. Not over the digital display. They have ring aprons on Over the digital display, no. But they still got the other three sides still having the ring apron skirt. They, the other three sides, because they don't see the. Uh, actually, I'm sorry. I believe, if I know, if I remember correctly, from what I've seen, is they have the digital display on the camera-facing side and the opposite side of that, and on the other side, so the ramp side and the and the announce booth side, they are open skirts, so you can have access to under the ring. The two digital boards on there allow them to display Sunday Night Heat or WWE Main Event, blah 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 blah, and then the ring skirts that they actually still have intact just say the WWE logo. It saves them on production time and hassle of having to redo that whole skirting area because they can just flip a color switch and now they have the new display. I and, suppose, but I really don't like doing, it. And what they're also I, doing... I really don't like it because it, it takes me out of the match. Uh, it takes me out of the match because it's like there's a digital freaking board on the ring. Yeah, but the digital board is... It takes me so, right out of the match. Uh, it doesn't bother. See, it doesn't bother me because I don't even notice it, except for when it first debuted. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's an ether. And to me, it, it takes advantage of technology, saves them on time when they're doing it. I know, you know, with me going to the, you know, the Monday Night Raw here locally in Albany, New York, on April 20th. Which so I was going to ask you about that if you're going to do that, and like, because honestly, if I could carpool with you, I'd go. Yeah. I, yeah, actually, I, I got no car, and and. Well, like we'll I talk said, about that off the call, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. But so. You know, when I'm there, I'm looking forward to it because it'll save on some of the time with the with the ring skirts and stuff, so that there won't be the the uh, you know the delays in production because they got to stop and flip the the ring around. Oh, what? It's, it's, so, it's basically, it's like what half a half a second, half half a minute. 
there's a few minutes in the, into it when they're doing it, and you do it two, three times during a show because they do the house shows, then they move it up, they do the main event for the, you know, the live matches for main event, then they move it up for Raw. It can be a little bit of a hassle. I'm not saying it's something that was overly, you know, intrusive or boring or annoying, but, you know, it gave me time to go refill my soda if I wanted to. But... All in all, I thought it was a neat addition that they carried over from NXT. I think it's something basically they tried out in NXT, found that they liked it, and moved it on to the WWE. And actually, I believe the NXT uses it around all four sides, where the WWE is only using it around the two. So, all in all, that match went on. Authority made their presence felt. Randy Orton got the win after uh, after Ryback and Roman Reigns kind of got knocked around and knocked down. So, we moved on to... The, uh, the situation with... Are you still there, Mark? Yeah, I'm still here. I was just getting Great. my uh, my pill. No, that's cool. So they moved on. They did their piece there. Rollins comes in, attacks uh, Randy Orton with a curb yep, stomp curb immediately. Stomp him, yep. And uh, just kind of went out holding the title in the air. So what I will say as my takeaway without making it too long on the Raw Rundown here is Do that... It was yeah. We we run we run quite a long time on the Raw Rundown actually this week. We're at about a minute. My fault. My fault. Five minutes. So, what I will say is that the Raw the Raw show was good. I wouldn't say it was the greatest Raw. I would say it was definitely a downer from last week. But I will lead that up to the fact that you didn't necessarily have the Triple H and Stephanie piece there, which is a focal point of the show right now. Which I'm okay with them moving away from, but they have to move away from it in the right meaning. They can't just have them disappear. They actually have to move them off the show for a reason because they have played such a dominant role. You have to give. This is well, again. This is why I was upset that they came back so soon after the whole thing at Survivor Series. Right, but you have to have them killed off in a manner which that takes that gives some other characters value from their leaving the show, i.e. Mm-hmm. the firing Survivor Series type thing that happened in the past, and not bring them back so fast. But then there was also no Daniel Bryan, no Dean Ambrose. So it just didn't feel like there was a lot of those main players there, so I'm interested to see why that didn't happen. I do know that Daniel Bryan was injured at SmackDown against Sheamus last That's week. That's why I was curious, because I was not sure we had if... Some um... Yeah, because I remember hearing that he was potentially injured. I wasn't sure if that was a legit yep. thing. He had some stitches last week during his match with Sheamus, so he was out for a little while. Uh, I'm assuming that's why he was out tonight. De- uh, uh, Dolph Ziggler. I'm not sure why Dolph was out. So. Dolph Ziggler wasn't on there, so you know, it's another guy that was missing. So there was a couple main attractions that you would normally expect to be there that weren't there. But mm. all in all, I feel like the story's progressed towards Extreme Rules, which to me is one of the downer pay-per-views of the year because you're coming off such a monumentous high with the Royal Rumble followed by WrestleMania, not counting whatever happens in between, but just those mm. two two great pay-per-views to end of the end of the end that part of the the in my opinion the season of WWE and move on to the next chapter slash seasons of that the next season in the direction of the company for the next 12 months. So, you know, having them missing out on some of those key players and then having extreme rules coming up I'm kind of like, eh, you know, it's Extreme Rules. We Right now we're looking at Rusev, Cena 2, or 3, whatever it's at right now. We're looking at Mizdow, Damian, Sandow, or Damian Mizdow against each other. We're looking at some sort of women's encounter with the Divas there. You know that you're going to get that. You're probably going to have Sheamus and maybe Dolph and maybe Daniel Bryan in that match. Maybe throw Barrett in that match for a four-way Intercontinental title match. Who knows? Right. So you've got some things progressing that could occur that, you know, and you have Randy Orton versus Seth Rollins now, which 
will be a good match. We know that. We saw it at WrestleMania. I'm sure it'll be. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're going to up their game for that match. You know, it's it's. I think that would be Seth Rollins' official second main event at a pay per view. Could be, yeah. Um, I know he main evented the one with Dean Ambrose at Hell in a Cell last year. So it'll be interesting to see where they go with it. But all in all, it was a good Raw. Nothing, mm-hmm. nothing to sit there and say. Ah, it was horrible. wasn't wasn't particularly spectacular, but it wasn't horrible. It wasn't something that I walked away going, man, that was stupid. So, right. with, that, with that said, that's the Raw Rundown, guys. We hope you enjoyed the Raw Rundown. The Raw Rundown will be back next week. We will review Raw at a normal scheduled time of 9.15 on Tuesday night, so you can find us there. But uh, for now, let's move on to the Mark Effect. All right. Well, all right. Now, I was talking to you, guys, to you about this uh, earlier today. And we, we were talking about uh, the NWO and everything and, you know, why you would have Hall and Nash coming out to help Sting, you know, alongside Hogan, which, again, is kind of weird, at WrestleMania. And, and one thing that, that got me thinking was, you know, what would have happened if the NWO had had a different setup? And my thought was... What do you mean, Mark? Well, let me, let me tell you what I mean. I'll tell you what I mean. A while back, now, I'm, I'm still trying to find out where I, where I read this, but I remember at one point there was apparently going to be a potential uh, backup third guy because Hogan, when he was first pitched the idea by Eric Bischoff, there's some, there's some uh, discrepancy on that. At some point he had said uh, Eric had pitched the idea to him. If you read his autobiography, he said he came up with the idea. I'm not sure if maybe he got the details confused, but somebody pitched the idea to him. And he wasn't sure if he could if he could do it because he was he was marketed so heavily towards kids. In a lot of ways, he, he's in some ways like Cena is today. But the mystery third guy who would have who would have been the backup in case Hogan had said no, Sting. At which I know a lot of people are probably going, wait, what? Yeah, apparently, as the story goes, and I got to find this thing. It may have been in one of the magazines that I used to have back as a kid that has since gone God knows where over the, over the couple of times I've moved over the years. But supposedly, the story was Bischoff had come to Sting and laid out the idea of who the third guy was going to be and had initially said, you know, we don't know if Hogan's going to do it. Would you be willing to be the third guy? And supposedly, the, the, as the story goes, Sting had said, yeah, I'll do it if Hogan doesn't want to do it. As we all know, Hogan did. But my question was always, what would have happened if Hogan had said no? And here's how I see it going down. We know early in the match, in kayfabe, Luger was taken out of the match. And a lot of people thought that he was going to come back and be the third guy, by the way. That's, that's an interesting little tidbit there. But uh, as we know, Hogan comes down to the ring, and I think the way they would have justified it as it was supposed to be three on three. We don't know where the third guy is for the outsiders. But right now, because Luger is out, we still need to get. It still has to be a three on two at the very least, because we at least promised them a three on three. We've got to give them three on two. So they send Hogan out. Hogan comes out, and then you got basically the Mega Powers or the or the Mega Maniacs or whatever they were calling Hogan and Savage right there. And then you got Sting, who's been in the match, you know, since since the start. Now here's how I see it. Savage is still down and out. Hogan is tagged in at some point in the match. By, let's say, you know, Randy, he comes in, has a couple of, of minutes with uh, Nash and Hall, and they go back and forth. They get to a point in the match where Hogan is down and out, Sting is ready and fresh, Savage is still out in the corner somewhere. Hogan tags in Sting, 
Hulk, and you know, and practically collapses right in front of him. Sting comes in, helps Hogan up, drops him with a DDT. And then you basically, again, think about this. Sting was basically WCW's Hogan before they had Hogan. So the fans are stunned. And it's like, what just happened? Why would Sting attack Hulk Hogan? They're friends, right? And then he goes, well, guess what, guys? I've been here how many years and you guys always make it out like some new guy coming in from up north, from the guys who are trying to put us out of business, is the next big thing. Well, I've had enough of it. You guys had absolutely no loyalty to the people that you have in your own company, so I brought these guys in to help me beat the living hell out of you guys, to take you down and show you why you should have been paying more attention to the people you developed, to the people that you are supposed to be getting behind and, and you know, showing to the world as to how great our product is. And right, he, he might have even still done the whole, this is the new world order of wrestling thing, and, and you could still have that, and that could still be the beginnings of the NWO. First thing that happens, wrestling fans would, would, probably would not be as stunned by it as they would have been by Hogan's turn, because Hogan was the high-profile babyface. He, he was so big. I mean, even Ricky Steamboat isn't as well-known as a face as he was, despite the fact that, he, that Steamboat has never turned, to the best of my knowledge. Sting and Hogan, their careers are a very eerie parallel, although they come from different parts of the country in terms of where they got into the business in terms of any major promotion. Hogan got big in World Wrestling uh, Worldwide Wrestling Federation under Vince Jr. and then the AWA. Sting got in big in the UWF under Bill Watts and then went to uh, Jim Crockett Promotions. So there's a very eerie parallel there. Sting has worked with both uh, Hall and Nash both before and after their, their, their WWF days, obviously. So, and he knows them. He knew them from when he was in WCW with them at the time. So they come back. And they're going, well, hey, we want, we want to really just make some money. And, and, and we could, the storyline could be, Sting says, you know what? They're going to bring you guys in anyway, and they're going to pump you up as like the next big thing. How would you like to really just screw with everybody's minds? Hence, we get the NWO. So the, the NWO starts out, and then they pull the same stuff. I, I could see this one thing that they could do. They could still do the fake Hogan angle. They could actually do that because at one point, and a lot of people don't know this, it's very rare, good luck finding it, and if you do, let me know. I'd love to see the footage from it again. On the old uh, WCW, I think it was the Power Hour, whatever their old Saturday morning show was, right before they would do uh, WCW Saturday night a couple of hours later on in the, in, in the evening. There was a guy named Randy Hogan, dead ringer for Hulk, he could have been the fake Hogan, and then you, 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 I don't necessarily think Hogan would have become the crawl like Sting did, but I think you still could have had the fake Hogan versus Hulk Hogan. You could have brought in the Warrior, and you could have actually, I, I think they actually could have brought in Warrior as being corrupted by Sting, who then Hogan would have to try to bring back to whatever counted for normal for him. You know, because and the thing would be like the corrupted warrior would have been a coherent warrior, whereas the somewhat crazed 
and quasi-mystical promo-giving warrior is the quote-unquote normal warrior. So I think that could have happened. And I think if they had done it right, that at some point Vince would have said to Sting, well, you know what, these guys, you're right. They haven't really treated you the way that you, you probably should be treated or the other guys there. Look at my guys. Look at my guys. I always treat them right as long as they're in the company, even though I bring new people in. I could have seen that finally being you know, how they would have gotten Sting at the time. I think that was, would have been how Sting would ultimately have jumped. And when he jumped, the NWO would have just collapsed. There would have been no wolf pack. There would have just been you know, the straight-up end of the NWO. And I do think Sting would, probably would have worn some different colors. I don't know if he would have worn uh, black and white like he did when he became the Crow to fight the NWO, but I, I could see something like that. And, again, you look at it, it would have been such an interesting thing because it almost made as much sense as Hogan doing it if, if, if he had been the third guy, because who else really could have opened the door for them in a way to just help them bring down the company? Hogan doing it sort of makes sense. You know, obviously, former WWF guy, but he didn't know them. He had, he had never met these guys, I don't think. He might have met Razor and Diesel once when, when they were all in the WWF together in that, like, three-month span between WrestleMania and King of the Ring 93. But Sting knew them relatively intimately because he'd fought them before and presumably had, had teamed with them at least once, you know, uh, at one time or another before they left WCW. They, they, bringing him in as the third guy probably would have worked even better than, than Hogan doing it on some levels. But at the same time, it wouldn't have been out of character because his whole thing is loyalty and if he felt that WCW wasn't being loyal to its wrestlers, why not take out WCW by bringing in two guys who have no loyalty to anybody except whoever's really running the show for them? And, and basically, I think that's what they could, they could have done, and I think they, they might have actually made it stronger, and, and there could have still been a WCW today because they could have done occasional reunion, uh, reunions of the group like they did with the Horsemen. So, and that, my friends... That is your alternate universe, Mark Effect. That that's solid, Mark, and I will say I I do agree with you when you compare the parallels of the Sting and the Hogan situation, and I I actually think Sting could have worked out very well for the overall NWO piece to start off with, from the Absolutely. perspective of story-wise, because as you, I mean, I would take it even outside of the story, and if you just watch the overall direction of the WCW professional wrestling, Sting was one of the guys. He was like almost, he was like the face of the company at the time. He was the face of the company, let's the be face, honest. The, face of the only company. guy who never jumped. Right, so he was the face of the company back then when Hogan first showed up, and when Hogan showed up, Sting ended up having to take a backseat to Hogan and Macho and Luger and a bunch of those and guys. And Flair, yes, obviously. So you know, Flair, he was involved with heavily from the NWA stories and the true, early true, WWE but, stuff. So that I wouldn't, you know. But it was still a case of Flair person. being put up more against Hogan than up against Sting. Oh yes, without a doubt. But yeah, but I was, and, you know, and the other thing that I just met, I just remembered, Eddie Gilbert brought Sting into the UWF as a heel. Fred Blassie brought Hulk Hogan into the WWWF as a heel. They both eventually turned face. So again, the, the, the parallels are eerie. Yeah. No, so the, I, I get that. I just think that at the end of the day, um, I don't know that... I, I get what you're saying. There still could be a WCW if things went differently with that whole Hogan situation turned into the NWO. 
but I, I feel like the NWO was a large portion of what killed WCW because at one point they were doing NWO sold out. And right, no, absolutely. But what I'm saying is if Sting had become the, the third guy, I think the NWO would have, been, would have been maybe five to ten guys tops. Tops. And then piddled away a little bit at a time. And then, it, and then at some point, it would have been whittled down to the to the to the original three, and then they would have been done right as Sting was would have possibly left to the WWF. Yeah, and uh, that's I think what I think that's, we're, uh, that's what I think would have happened. I think eventually, I think if right Sting had been the third guy, he would have gone to WWF a lot sooner. I think. J- just because at that point it's like WCW, you know, they would they would have done as much as they could with him at the time. He could have gone to WWF, and you know, eventually he could have come back as the conquering hero. So, yeah, I would agree with that. And at the end of the day, Hogan turning face was a huge, huge piece of that. So, I'm sorry, not turning face, turning heel from being the baby face. There, nobody ever thought yeah. it happened. Nobody thought it was possible. So, seeing and that Sting happen, did eventually turn heel anyway. And you know, like about kind of yeah, three years later. Well, yeah. they tried to anyway, and you know. Okay. And they were still cheering him out of the building. He, he had a more successful heel turn in, like, the mid-2000s when he joined the main event mafia. But, yeah, yeah I mean... That was, yeah. That was another failed attempt at thing. Yeah, so... Well, they did. I, no, it was, it, was, it was successful because he was still getting... He was actually getting booed as part of the original main event mafia because of the way the storyline was going. In TNA, right. But he eventually did end up becoming heel, uh, face again, so... Yeah. No, I... I, I get what you're saying. I, I just I I think it was definitely impactful with Hogan turning, but I think Sting could have got a Sting would have worked. I will say Sting would have worked, and he would have worked in different ways. I think Hogan turning was so mainstream though because of it being Hogan and Sting not being as mainstream as Hogan. Right. Not yeah. Having that's, the yeah, that's true. And the, but and the pieces because not only was he a face in WCW, but he was a face in WWE, and he was the face of the WWE. And, and he was the face to, of wrestling for the longest time. Right. Yes, I understand that. I'm just saying, but, from a yeah. wrestling perspective, if Sting had turned, I think it would have it would have had as, uh, just as much impact. Just it would have been more. It would have been more streamlined because it would have been an internal thing that wrestling fans would deal with, and thus it wouldn't necessarily have to worry about the the, the stigma of, you know, oh, God, are the kids going to flip out and everything else, because this was still something they were worried about even when Hogan turned. But with Sting, it's like, yeah, he was still kind of marketed to kids, but he'd already, you know, he he had elements of, of a darker personality to begin with that we'd seen every so often during his matches as a face, which we really didn't see much of with Hogan. So... Yeah, sorry about that. But No problem. Yeah, so with that said, that was the Mark effect. Thank you, Mark. And, and let's uh, see what's going on in the hole when we've got Ace in the hole. So with Ace in the hole, we have the top five. I'm going to try to keep this relatively quick, only because we're running down on time here, and I want to get to my points. So I went with the top most shocking moments in wrestling, professional wrestling history. The first one, not the first, but number five, I had The Undertaker throwing Mankind off a hell on the cell. And I went with that because yep. nobody, nobody would expect that. That came out of nowhere because there was honest, no I way he I was... I would have ranked that higher if it were me, but that's just, that's just me. I mean, I, I would have put that like number three or number two. But. Yeah, I, I, can, I can see that. But with that said, I put that in at five. Then I went to the Montreal Screwdrop with the Shawn Michaels, HBK, I'm sorry, HBK, the Harp, uh, Bret Hart, and... Uh, Vince McMahon and the whole Triple H was effect. still involved in there, yeah. I mean, so you, you yep. were right the first time, so. But I will go. I will go with that at number four because of just the overall um, effect it, it had on that thing. It burned itself out relatively quick, yeah. Yeah. So with that, then I went to number three, 
And number three, I went with when the WWF bought WCW. And the way that went on live, Nitro, WWE, Raw, simultaneously cast, where they were on both screens. And yeah, I thought I that, mean, was pretty, that was pretty that shocking. That was a pretty big event. But the thing is, the, the bigger shocker was three days beforehand, the Friday before. Because that's when they made the announcement. I know a lot of people probably were just struck dumb by they go to WWF.com to look up what's going on with the World Wrestling Federation. They're not even thinking about WCW. And the friggin' banner, of the, the, the very top of the page reads... So, with that said, I'm going to move on to the number two, as we're having some technical difficulties with the call, and it um, looks like Mark just got dropped, but we're just going to go into the number four with Brock Lesnar ending the streak. I'm sorry, number two, Brock Lesnar ending the streak with The Undertaker at WrestleMania last year. Today is the year um, anniversary of that match, and considering that Brock Lesnar did that a year today, I gave that the number two spot with ending the Undertaker streak at WrestleMania 21. Because as you know, as Mark knows, as the rest of the fans out there know, back then when this happened, nobody saw it coming. The audience was in shock. The announcers were in shock. Heyman looked in shock. The ref looked in shock. Everyone in the room that I was sitting with was in shock. Nobody thought it would ever happen, let alone happen with Brock Lesnar. But if you're gonna have a monster beat some monstrous streak I, I agree with this situation Brock beating the Undertaker streak was number two and my final top five moment in shocking wrestling moments uh, all across professional wrestling is uh, it's one that Mark just touched on with the NWO and it's not the NWO so much as it's just Hulk Hogan's turning heel. The moment Hulk Hogan turned heel was such a shocking moment. There was fans outrageously throwing things in the, from the audience into the ring. They were disgusted. They were mortified that their hero that was eating their vitamins and saying prayers would turn bad guy in front of the fans. And being WCW and knowing WWE's or knowing that WWE is their direct competitor and that that Hulk Hogan was now joining Scott Hall, a.k.a. Razor Ramon, Kevin Nash, a.k.a. Diesel, that had just walked off of WWE, and Hogan joining them, it kind of aligned because you looked at it like, wait, that's Hogan joining WWE, guys, so is WWE invading WCW? And Hogan's going to do this to us? And as a fan, you're fans of your promotion, WCW, you felt kind of uh, slapped in the face there when Hogan turned and was uh, attacking the macho Luger Sting and, and did all of that back then. So when you think about that, it was a pretty eventful night, and you think about that moment in time where Hogan turned heel, and I think that's probably the most shocking moment in professional wrestling history in my lifetime. So with that said, it's been a great show. Uh, thank you everyone for listening in. This is the mark of that we had. Uh, this is the false finish with Ace Alexander and uh, Mar the mark, the smart mark. And uh, you can reach us at the False Finish on Twitter. You can reach out to us at the False Finish Podcast at Gmail dot com. And uh, you can find us on TalkShoe if you t if you look up the False Finish. That's where we live broadcast whenever we do these podcasts. We uh, have a number you can dial into. We have a chat room you can post messages to us from. As we continue to grow and expand our market and our our show, we're going to be bringing in guest speakers. We're going to bring in guests from time to time from around the world of professional wrestling. We're going to continue to do that for you fans as long as you fans are out there listening. And honestly, if you're not, we're going to still keep doing it because Mark and I enjoy what we do. We enjoy the conversations we have. 
So thank you, everyone, who's listening tonight, who listens in tomorrow. Remember to go back and listen to the old podcast, hear what we had to say, hear what we said wrong, hear what we said right, hear about the little knowledge bits that Mark will throw out our way. But uh, with that, I'm Ace Alexander with the false finish. And remember to leave it in the ring until the final bell.